The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Now it is time for our Ask the Experts section. And joining me this morning to answer your veterinary questions is Pete the Vet. Hello, Pete. Good morning, Stephanie. Loads of vet questions. We will start with a cat that has a small bump on his head. And as the owner was trying to investigate it, a lot of pus came out. It looks like an abscess. We got rid of it all and there's just a very small hole there now. Is it okay to keep it clean or does he need antibiotics? It just happened yesterday. Well, that's a good question. I think in the past we would be much quicker to use antibiotics. But in actual fact, abscesses are quite a natural way of the body's immune system dealing with mild infections. And so the fundamental thing that you have to do, which vets have done for centuries before antibiotics, is to um, make sure that the abscess is draining properly. So the abscess is a buildup of bacteria Mm -hmm. and inflammatory cells just under the skin. So once it bursts, then all this horrible stuff comes out. So what you have to do is make sure that it keeps on coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you might clip the Cut, get little scissors and clip the fur away around the opening and you'd bathe it twice a day with a teaspoonful of salt in a pint of boiled water, so slightly salty water. Bathe it twice a day. Make sure that any of the yucky stuff keeps coming out. And as long as the area around there isn't sort of red, red and swollen, uh, as long as the cat is happy out, you know, eating, behaving normally, then it's quite okay just to monitor that quite carefully for a few days. And often, you know, it will gradually resolve. Um, so, so we're using yes, an, less antibiotics than we used to because we're well aware of the risk of antibiotic resistance. resistance. And so, therefore, use them when they're needed. And if, if nature's already doing quite a good job, then let nature do so that. So we don't help really nature. use them prophylactically anymore. No. We have another text in here, which isn't a question, but I think there's a question hidden in it that you and I will pull out together. We have a five-year-old dog called Lockie. He was, he's a great part of the family, but growls when my 12 and 13-year-old children get between him and my wife. So that's the statement. Mm. So how, okay. how do we... <laughs> yeah, well, this is common, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really all down to understanding dog behaviour. And I mean properly understanding and not just doing what feels right to you as a human. And a, a lot of people, um, they, they make presumptions about why a dog is behaving certain ways and then they intervene as they might intervene with a human, like they might say, now you're a bold little dog, you stop doing that right now. Like the dog hasn't a clue what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So you can't do that. But what you you need to do if you're having any issues with dog behaviour such as they describe is engage with a really well-qualified, well-trained and well-respected behaviourist. Somebody who will sit down with you one-to-one, talk about exactly what happens and when it happens and then give you advice on how to interact based on their knowledge of dog behaviour. Okay. That's really what you need Please. to do. I mean, I mean, there's lots of subtleties there. Is, is a dog in some way feeling threatened by the children? Is a dog not used to children? There's a lot of issues with dogs being um, uh, very anxious around children just because they're not used to them. Um, so it's, it's, it's very hard to give a, a sort of simple spot answer. But it's definitely a behavioural issue. A behavioural issue and that means you need to talk to the professionals. Uh, my 11-year-old dog is almost blind now and anxious and fretting a lot of the time. Would CBD oil help? CBD oil is one of those um, products that's uh, it's kind of like a cure-all at the moment. It's like a panacea. You see it mentioned on the internet all the time as a, as a, a product that has almost miraculous ways of helping with a range of issues from arthritis to epilepsy to anxiety. Now, 
it may indeed have, it does have some properties that help in some ways with some of these issues. But the issue really is that it's not fully um, being validated. The research hasn't Mm -hmm. been fully done. And most of the products available aren't standardized in a a formal way, such as most medications. So for that reason, it would actually be one of the last products I would suggest in a situation like this, um, because they're very, very good products that have been around for a lot longer than CBD oil, that have been well-researched, well-proven and well-standardised. So I would talk to your vet about how to stop your dog being so anxious and they, they may be able to suggest products which should be more effective. We have a question about a little Jack Russell on her eyelid. The lid is swollen and red and hair has been lost. It just happened overnight last night. She's an indoor dog with hygiene A1 It on, and only goes outside for the toilet. I monitor her every move. So I don't know what happened. Please, could you help? It sounds like a, a little bit of an, a, an eyelid infection of some kind. Mm-hmm. And I would also revert, revert, like it's a Saturday morning. I don't think you need to rush up to the vet immediately. But I, I would, again, go back to the old salty water. So mildly salty water, bathing it twice a day. One uh, teaspoon of water, a pint of warm water. One teaspoon of salt and a pint of boiled Sorry, water yes. or the equivalent. Yeah. Um, people often go, oh, isn't that going to sting? But if you think about it, well, tears are very salty and blood is actually quite salty as well. Mm-hmm. So mildly salty solutions are not irritant and they're very gentle and kind. That's concentration that I said is very similar to blood. So mm-hmm. it's it's very natural um, sort of liquid to bathe things with. So li- any little little blemish or, or sore area like that, it's quite safe to bathe it twice a day for a couple of days and just observe it. And if it's not settling down, then yes, you do need to go to your vet about it. A text here from Nora. Uh, I really like your direct approach, Stephanie. It's very refreshing. Thanks for that. Uh, A stray cat has adopted us. We discovered her owners moved house without her. She's very timid, but she's happy now. She's a long haired beauty, but she won't let us groom her. Should we get the vet to do it under anaesthetic? It depends on what sort of level of... Ungroomed she is. Yes. (laughs) Because, like, if... I've got a cat who's a pet cat she's not so timid um she's very long hair and if we comb her regularly then the 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 small little um dense areas of sort of semi-clumped hair can easily be removed if however we wait too long then she develops fairly she can develop big mats which Mm -hmm. are she won't let us near because it hurts her a little bit when we pull at them um, so I have to then give her a sedative and, and once she's nicely sleepy, it's much easier to work with her and we can comb her thoroughly as well as using electric clippers to take off the worst mats. So what level is this cat at that they've got? I suspect that she probably is at the level where she does need sedation. If she's already a timid cat and if they've been looking at this for a while and that and the, the areas of clumps have been developing, I think it can be very, very hard to, to, to work that out with a, with a regular pet comb or brush. So yes, that means talking to your vet about having a sedated, having a, I would say, a one-off job to get her, her coat back to scratch. And then, and then you can see if you can get, keep on top of it with combing regularly. We have an unhappy collie. She seems to need constant attention, increased walks, but on return she flops herself all over the floors, making sighs and moans. Should we stick to routine, her one long walk on the beach every day and ignore her moods? <laughs> it's funny to think about dogs having moods like that. Yeah. Um, uh, at the same time, yeah, you, you're, what you're seeing and what you're witnessing is what, what you're seeing. So um, my preference and possible is to give a dog two, two walks a day. Dogs love walking. And it's not that they necessarily just love the exercise. They love the experience of being out and about mm-hmm. with different sights, different smells, different sounds. Um, and so, you know, if you have a dog who's got any behavior that's that's maybe not, 
not quite what you want it to be, I think a, a really good starting point is to give them two half-hour walks every day. And that punctuates their day very nicely. And will it help a moody collie? I don't know, but it can't do any harm. Definitely won't harm them. Okay. Um... Sorry, those are texts about Trump. We have two cats, both rescues. One is fine, while the other gets severe allergic reactions to harvest mites at this time of year until October. I've tried neem oil, which he hates the smell of, and diatomaceous earth. All of this to no avail and he appears very sad and distressed. I've also given him half a citrine tablet and I'm hoping that would help. I also... I always have a big problem getting him into a cat cage to bring him to the vet, but I suppose steroids are his only hope, are they? Bernie, by email. Bernie, you, you've obviously done a lot of research and got a lot of experience of this because you've tried all the usual methods there. Um, harvest mites are really difficult little things to deal with. They're tiny little orange mites that live in long grass and they come out in August and they attach to the undersides of, uh, of cats and dogs' feet and between their toes. Now, most animals, it doesn't bother them at all. In fact, if you, if you expect, inspect most pets at this time of year, or many pets, you will find little orange dots under their feet, which are the harvest mites. But a small proportion of pets are allergic to them. And mm-hmm. then they, you get this bigger reaction um, of itchiness. So it's actually very, very difficult to stop the mites. There, are, there is another, another insecticide you can try, which is called Fipronil. The, the brand name is Frontline, and and it's a long-lasting spray, so you could spray between her toes and on her lower legs, and that may help a little bit. But most cases, they actually do need to have ongoing anti-inflammatory medication at this time of year, and the 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 the, the, the home products aren't effective enough. You need prescription-only products in general, and the vet will be able to do one of two really helpful things for you. First of all, they may be able to give an injection which lasts for a month. Mm-hmm. So it's just a one-off visit to the vet, a one-off injection, and then you don't need to worry about it. The anti-inflammatory effect will continue for up to a month. If, 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 if that's not your preferred choice, the other possibility is for the vet to give you little steroid tablets to give every day for the next month. And, you know, if you can't take your cat to the vet, talk to your vet about whether they feel they'd be able to prescribe those for you because they may know your cat from before. Do cat socks, are cat socks a thing? Like if you put socks on your cat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, I'm quite sure they are a thing. You can get all sorts of items of cat apparel these days, little hats and well, coats and socks. I might um, have just found a solution. No. <laughs> <laughs> the only problem with cat socks is the cats don't like wearing socks. Okay. Um, so they just take them off again. It's very hard to stop them. Well, then it's their own fault. Uh, I have a lovely, happy four-year-old golden retriever, not neutered, no aggression or domination issues. I've got very varying advice on whether or not to neuter, prevent certain illnesses, but leaves open to other illnesses. They can put on weight, personality change, etc. What do you think? Thanks, James. Uh, that's an interesting topic because thoughts on spaying and neutering have changed in, in the last five years even. Um it, uh, this is a very strong argument in favour of spaying nearly all female dogs um, for preventing mammary cancer or breast cancer completely, mm-hmm. um, as well as other diseases. For dogs, it's a bit more, hmm, this and that, we're not quite sure. My general rule is it's castrating male dogs is a really good idea when there's objectionable male behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, if there isn't male behaviour that's difficult, then I would be inclined to leave dogs entire. Um, they definitely do put on weight more easily once they've been castrated. That doesn't mean they necessarily put on weight. There's many, many, many perfectly lean neutered male dogs. But the indication to do it um, is more based on behaviour rather than on disease prevention in dogs, Okay, male dogs. Um, 
I have a 14-year-old collie slash beagle and he has arthritis in his back, diagnosed by a vet. When I put the slightest pressure on it, he just collapses. Is there any way I can relieve this? He's getting the injection for weakness in back legs and I give him glucosamine slash turmeric and chondroitin. Thank you, Mairead. Hmm. Mairead, that's a tricky one. Um, back problems in animals as in humans are, are not that easy to fix. Um complicated further by the fact that it's difficult to get dogs to do the kind of physiotherapy exercises that humans might do. So I think it's really a case of assessing his lifestyle, seeing if you can change his environment to make it easier on his back. So, you know, things like ramps to get into the car, non-slip surfaces around your home um, rather than slippy, shiny floors um, and make his life easier in that way. Also changing his exercise routines. So shorter episodes of exercise, um, without too many uh, challenging areas that are going to put stress on his back. In terms of actually um, impacting his back with medication, I think you've ticked all those boxes. Um, surgery is the only other possibility, and it'd have to be really very bad for you to want to consider surgery. Um, so I, I, I think it's one of those situations where it's more about managing his lifestyle than trying to fill him up with different medications. Fair enough. We, uh, I'll leave this as our last question. Um, can you ask Pete for an alternative to insulin injections? It's become very difficult to do it. He has bitten my husband already. I presume it's a dog. Mm. Um, that's mm. Audrey. Audrey, I wish there was a good alternative to insulin injections. It's a, There isn't. Um, while humans can be managed on oral medication sometimes. And while there are some new ideas coming for humans in terms of implants and so on, um, with dogs and cats, we still are... Well, but you can help with the diet a little bit So, uh, um, and talk to your vet about what kind of diet may help a little bit. But And you may be able to reduce insulin injections to once a day instead of twice a day, um, depending on the case. But, um, and there are different formulations of insulin too. So it may be that one type of insulin injection stings a bit more uh, or whatever. Um, you can also change the type of needles that you use. Sometimes there are very, very fine, fine needles, needles that might cause less pain. You also need, should look at where you're giving the injection. Sometimes if you change the place you're actually injecting the animal, can cause less discomfort. And when you're giving it. So I know plenty of people who wait till their animal is actually tucking into their food and then they sneak up behind them and give it in the back of the neck so the animal is so preoccupied with enjoying the dinner that they don't notice the needle so much. So I think this is one to sit down with your vet and go through the specifics and see what you can adjust to make it easier. I mean, diabetes is a challenging condition to treat, but it's, it is perfectly manageable. It just takes a little while sometimes to get the right routine. Pete, thank you so much. We have endless questions, but we have run out of time. If people want to find you or get their questions to you, where can they where can they find you? My clinic, clinic is in Bray. It's called Bray Vet. You can go to BrayVet.com to find out more. And I'm also on my own website, PeteTheVet.com. Pete the Vet, thank you so much. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.